Welcome back to another episode of The Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller North by Northwest. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm Dave Forsyth. And I'm Todd Lucas. Full disclosure, Todd's my cousin and I'm also his cousin. Um, and this wow. is just uh, cousins doing podcasts. That's all it is. <laughs> no, we're, uh, we. I mean, it is also that, but we are the eventual hosts of the uh, Edge of Tomorrow Minute podcast. Uh, so, Which I believe will be available on the Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, we're right, we're right there on the Edge. It's the sun will come out. To, no, wait. Um, Stop the, right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the Tom Cruise and, uh, and Emily Blunt do future things several times over, and um, and we talk about it one minute at a time. Go to the Facebook and search for Edge of Tomorrow Minute and give us a like, and and you'll be. I was going to say the first to be notified when, when episodes come out, but like it's probably going to notify everyone at the same time or through some weird Facebook algorithm, but you'll get it eventually. Well, if they go now, they'll be the first. They may be the only, but you know, whatever. Well, it, I mean, they may be the first to click like, <laughs> like it and tell me more, but you know, they'll be the, I, I, I don't know how Facebook works. It just, just go click, do, do a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Pre- pretend like, you know, how things work and, and, you know, when the apocalypse, apocalypse, excuse oh you, when the apocalypse comes, we'll all try and figure out how to make fire. How's that sound? All right. Sorry. Weird tangent. <clears throat> okay. So, um, today we're talking about minute 65 of North by Northwest, which opens on Eve stepping out of her phone booth and ripping her notes out for a little notepad very tidily and ends with her actually handing that same note over to Thornhill. So yeah. So it's this minute focuses entirely on that note. Actually, no, that's not true. But, um, (laughs) so like I said, we see Eve stepping out of her phone booth, um, tearing out her handy little notes. And yeah, as, as Eve is standing there, we can see Leonard walking away from her and the booth towards a newsstand in the background where we don't, really notice it but it's van damme is there waiting for him you can see that the two of them uh meet up and actually in the background we see some some amazing white socks pennants hanging on the back wall because they're in chicago oh wow i didn't notice that yeah there's <laughs> of course some, you notice that of course i noticed and there's some other teams pennants back there too but i don't oh, even know yeah. what those are there they are yeah some probably some other crappy teams if if I were the type of guy who would edit in the song "Let's Go 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 White Sox" to a podcast, this is where That's I would a do song? it. So, you know, we're with you all the way. You're always in there fighting, and you do your best. We're glad to have you out here in the Middle West. We're gonna root, 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 root White Sox and cheer you on to victory. Oh yeah, it's they, you know they played at the game to like ramp up, okay. ramp up the fans. It's pretty cool. It's okay. from the fifties. It's from it's actually probably from approximately the time of this movie, so it's entirely appropriate. Huh. So don't be surprised if Do you I think you could it. find a, a, an authentic period recording of it that might actually sound right. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm sure that I have an MP3 of it. Like saved locally here, so. Gotcha. I yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway. um, aside from White Sox baseball, did you notice <laughs> whose mother showed up in frame? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was just going to mention that. So our background players here, the, the women in stoles and the um, the uh, the guy who looked like he's going to take everybody's lunch money. Turns out he's a good boy. Turns out he's a very nice boy. So his, he, his mother shows up. Yeah, he gets she, up and lets her have the seat. Yeah, and they he stands there chit-chatting with her, and they look like they're having a grand old time. Oh, yeah. The fur-coated ladies kind of scooch over a little and give her a little extra room, which is nice. So when Leonard goes over to Van Damme, uh, he sort of <laughs> he leans in close and he whispers something um, that he apparently agrees uh, with him because he folds up his his paper and hands it to Leonard as they they head out and they they both look happy to be to be reunited. So my first impression here was yeah. that um, uh, Van Damme stole that newspaper. You know, he's this, he's this international thief and he, and smuggler apparently, and, and he's petty enough to steal a newspaper. Now I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he was sitting there the whole time. He bought it and was just leaning there and reading it as his cover. But my mind just immediately thought, God, he just stole that newspaper. Yeah. I mean, it sure looks like it. We don't see the transaction happen for the newspaper. So, um, I, I also noticed that we do see him wearing glasses here to read the paper. So either his his squint to read the note in minute 61 um, is either great characterization that James Mason did or more likely James Mason just wears glasses. But. Yeah, probably it was his glasses. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. you know, there, there's no, you know, costume department work going on here. It's just, you know, whatever. Yeah. And no one said anything about it. Yeah, it was no, a different I, time. Yeah. I think, I like to think it's professional acting going on here, but it's probably likely just real real bad eyesight so <sighs> well these days you wouldn't see that kind of thing happening if you got an actor who needs vision correction then you know and they prefer to wear glasses then you know they would be making prescription versions of whatever the costume department decided to put them in you yeah know, but they've got that kind of budget but still <laughs> i don't know it just seems odd you know people bringing their own stuff from home to shoot a big budget movie <laughs> yeah it does certainly doesn't look out of place like it certainly no. fits these character i mean it's just just glasses right so. yeah what else would they have done it's it's not like these days where it just gets outlandish so well and it's okay from that distance with him holding the paper there would we have noticed that he wasn't actually hey he's not reading that paper <laughs> i don't think so so whatever good on you james mason yeah if he's not reading the paper why would he put on glasses it right no <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's just too weird. So, and I think we've gone a little too far into that. Yeah. I, my next suggestion is that we move on from the glasses talk. So then <laughs> we cut back to a bust shot of Eve as she's looking in the direction of the newsstand and just sort of surveys the area. Presumably she's looking for Van Damme and Leonard, uh, making sure that they've gone before she, she makes her next move. Her gaze shifts slightly as she begins looking around the lobby for something. Then we cut to her POV and we see the lockers in the entrance around the, the men's room. And there are a lot of people passing here, passing through her field of vision. But after a second, we see that Thornhill has emerged partly <laughs> from the doorway. He, he sort of pauses where he can still sort of be obscured by the row of lockers. And then he catches Eve's eye and he gives her that, that sort of nod of acknowledgement, like sort of a, mm, I see you. And then, puts his head down and gives a little semi-subtle hand gesture indicating the universal sign for let's meet over there um, <laughs> before he heads in the direction he was indicating dodges a pack of children being marshaled by a, a lone woman 
and uh, and heads on his way. Now, before they get out, get done with all that, uh, you know, just as she's uh, doing, getting ready to do all of her looking around, you could tell that she's been watching uh, Van Damme and Leonard out of her peripheral vision because when the paper newspaper flashes up as Van Damme is passing it to Leonard, she actually makes a noticeable kind of sidelong glance at them. So, and it's too too exact for it to have just been random. So she's right. as an actress is actually waiting for them to get done with whatever they're doing so that she can finish her part of that shot. Yeah, that's true. And after the acknowledging shot of Thornhill, you know, of them catching each other's eye, we do sort of cut back to her briefly to see mm, there's a she has sort of a a look of I don't know if it's regret on her face. Uh, she she gives sort of a downtrodden look like like she feels bad about this. She's she's going to continue to mislead this guy, but she feels a little bad about it, right? Well, you know, even if Leonard hasn't said explicitly what the instructions are going to do, she knows that their entire point is to try to, you know, kill this uh, you know, fake FBI agent. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe maybe she's okay with misleading and um she's okay not knowing but the more she thinks about it the more she thinks it's something terrible is going to happen but anyway we see her her past the newsstand and a departure desk with a board listing all the info for the for the rock island lines and the nickel plate line with delightful names such as the des moines rocket the peoria <laughs> rocket the corn belt rocket and the westerner so um, I, I love these names on these things. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I like trains, but you know, man, sure. they, they knew how to name things very attention getting ways. I mean, how mo- how fast do these rockets actually go? About 55, 60 miles an hour at best on a straightaway downhill. Yeah. And, and I do appreciate the, um, you know, the lines that say Des Moines, Peoria, you know where those are going. Corn belt, the Westerner, like where the hell are those going? Like one's, going somewhere where there's corn but if you're in chicago everything around there is corn in 1959 right right and the westerner there's a lot to the west of chicago so yeah i'm definitely wanting to ride the westerner oh sure right. it could get me wherever so do you know what the nickel plate is i have no idea what that even means no i don't either oh darn yeah no i think um i was kind of hoping it's uh like a a train ride and lunch for five cents Wow. I, I was at least hoping for lunch for five cents, but I, I think that's not going to happen. I mean, I don't think if, so either. If a stool in the bathroom is 50 cents, what are you going to get for five cents to eat? Plate of beans. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But uh, you can also hear throughout the most, most of this first part of the minute, you can hear the, a woman announcing the, the upcoming schedule for a train that um, sounds like it's going through Michigan. And whoever they hired to do the voiceover for this, they hired exactly the right lady because she's got the greatest Chicago accent talking about places in Michigan. So she's like, said Ann Arbor, Detroit, Lansing. You know, she's she's given all these <laughs> all these great line readings, and I, I, it makes me homesick. So, uh, you know, because my my family's well, I am from Chicago, and my wife's family's from Michigan. So like. All of that, all all of those words said that way mean something to me. So it's. Uh, I was hoping they did because they they you know I I I recognized a few of them. I even knew where a few of them were. Yeah, well, and she she says the weirdest 
well, not the weirdest, but one of the weirder names in Michigan. She says, Ypsilanti. You know, like, Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I a, think I've seen that spelled before. Yeah, it starts with a Y, has some I's in it, and it's near Ann Arbor, so. Yeah. All right. It was fun. It's, uh, yeah, I, I did spend a moment just listening to her to see if she was going to say anything like, you know, really remarkable, but I'm like, no, it's no. all real. <laughs> yeah. Except it's, for what was that? Ypsilanti? It's real. It is real. Okay. Yeah. Um, Who knew? But I'm a suppose I'm supposing that's the stops of a single train line as it moves through Michigan, but probably. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't really know, but so yeah, we, we see, we see Eve pass by the departures board and, um, and it cuts to Thornhill standing right next to a big marble pillar. He's facing off screen to the right, to screen right, stage right. And as we wait, we see why he's facing that way because Eve comes into direction, into frame from that direction, the direction that he's looking. You can see the news agent in the background on the right side of the frame and the phone booths in the background on the left side of the frame with the pillar getting most of the central screen background. So that means that tells me that Eve took a very strange route to get to where she was to enter from that screen from that side of the screen means she might've gone around behind the, the news agent to get there. Uh, I don't know. It's strange. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm looking at it, she didn't come through any of that crowd. Yeah. So, um, yeah, before we get too far away from that, uh, do you imagine this is actually shot at the station? You know, that is a good question. Um, the the station, as it is represented here, wasn't ever around in my lifetime. I don't think. Right. Um, I don't know the exact dates, but like this station, like I said, like it is now, um, has been gone for a long time. So uh, it does. It looks very train stationy. You know, it looks very. Well, it's plausible. It, yeah, it looks very. How some of the other big train stations in Chicago looked uh, at one point. You know, most of them have been redone with stainless steel and neon by now but the oh boy i cannot remember the name of the central station still in town it's not grand central station because it's <laughs> somewhere else it's uh anyway it yeah. it it looks kind of like this you'll you'd recognize it from the untouchables with the anyway but um <laughs> it uh, this is certainly a, a plausible look to it it's either shot on location or shot in a very well-produced set I, I would venture to say that it's on on location but. yeah me too i mean you don't really see they never really show but this is obviously upstairs from the trains right and you know they've got that central you know stairwell you don't ever get to like see down but you do see some people kind of coming up from down and and other people going down so it seems either they dug a hole to build the set in or they they had to find a real location of some sort yeah, and it it would certainly um, make sense. What if this station is laid out the way I think it is? I think that they are probably on the same level as the trains. Oh crap! I, now that I'm thinking about it, may, they might be on the same level as the trains here, and the escalators go down actually to street level. Okay, interesting. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway, th- that's we certainly have a tradition of of raised train tracks in Chicago, but big. Big uh, cross-country people moving trains are different than, you know, lighter commuter rail stuff. So maybe not. Yeah, you can sort of see in the background some uh, some numbered doors that sort of look like track numbers. Huh. So I'm I'm assuming that those are perhaps the tracks. Up. Anyway, maybe maybe not. 
just trying to figure out where in the last minute they came in from the train. Where is that relative to this place? Yeah, that's a good question because there was definitely some sort of outer lobby before they got into this more opulent inner lobby. And and that, like we were discussing, I think there was enough time passed that it gave Thornhill enough time to get into that bathroom, but it's all the way on the other side of this room, wherever that is. It could be a fair, decent uh, piece away from the trains. Yeah, it's possible. All right, but anyway, she comes onto frame from a very weird perspective. And yeah. As, as I was talking about a, a couple minutes ago, this is not what I would consider to be uh, Eva's uh, good side. For some reason, it, it just gives her a strange aspect, like almost like, you know, her you know, stand-in was let into the scene and had to do the lines, except for the fact that it sounds just like her. Yeah. And some of her, some of her movements that would make a very demonstrative facial expression if we were facing her, they, they look exaggerated from, from this sort of wider side shot. We're, we're, we're essentially getting the both of them in profile facing each other with this big white marble background. So yeah, I think she, she does, she does look very different here from this side. As like we talked about with the the sort of hair pushed back so you can see her face and, and things. So but he looks happy to see her. Well, yeah, he's real happy to see her. Yeah. And she doesn't seem, you know, thrilled. <laughs> yes. She is immediately concerned, uh, mostly with what took him so long to get there. Um and here's where we get the the payoff from the razor joke, right? Or the, the punchline. He says what he says, uh, oh, big, big face, face small razor. razor. And I imagine that the audiences in the theater at the time gave a good chuckle at that. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I did too, but yeah. Just the one time. <laughs> Just the one. Yeah. Now that I've seen it 15 to 30 times, I'm like, okay, I get it. Your, your face is kind of big. It was kind of a small razor. <laughs> he, he reaches out to, to touch her arm sort of reassuringly and asks if, if she got Kaplan, Kaplan yes. to which she replies, yes. Just yes. Full stop. That's all she says. And um, he very graciously says, fine, fine what, did say? what did he say? Whereas I would have been like, what, what did he say? Like, why did you just, like, I, that was an open-ended question. Like, I, I didn't really want to know just, yes, you got him or not. I w- want to know the interaction. So that's, he, he's not as, as frustrated as I would have been with her. Yeah. But Do you think that's maybe intentional on her part? Like, maybe there's something in her going, this is one last chance for him, me not to tell him what I'm supposed <laughs> to be telling him? It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, she, she has been showing these little, little tinges of uh, regret or, or, or regret sudden adjacent. attacks of conscious. Yeah. Right. <laughs> A little bit of conscious conscience, um, popping in with that little extra prompt. She does in feed, tell him, uh, Oh, he'll see, oh, he'll you, see you, but not at the hotel not under any circumstances. circumstances. He'll see, he'll you, see on you on the outside. Yeah. That, that line is weird. Yeah, that's how we all refer to not hotels, right? Yeah, the outside. Yeah. Uh, does that mean maybe at some point in the past she's been in prison? Oh, that seems unlikely, but, you know. Yeah. It's a weird turn of phrase. It is strange. You're right. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that it could very well be. Um, she, just, she starts referring to her cigarettes as squares, and um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> But no, he he prompts further for well, well when and where, well, and uh, she says she's got it all written down. And he says thanks. She hands over the paper she tore out of the notebook, and she starts explaining the minutia of how he'll get there. But then the then the minute. Ah, all right. 
So I guess we'll never know. No, never. It'll, it'll never happen. <laughs> nope. And not until next week. Oh, is that right? That's right. Damn it. So today's Friday? Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I've been podcasting too long. I sort of <laughs> forgot what day it was. So, uh, all right. Anything else exciting about this minute to, to bring up? I don't know. There's, there's, there are a lot of little things kind of going on in the background of this one that, uh, I've always wanted to be able to get into that newsstand and see what kind of candy he's got up front. It's, it's fairly colorful, more colorful than I would have expected for the time. So I was like, Ooh, I wonder yeah. what he's got. <laughs> And there's lots of people running about here too. We get a lot of, you know, as both of them move through the station to meet each other, you, you get them dodging different types of different groups of people. Like he dodges a group of children and she has to go past people who are clearly late for their, their trains. Cause they're doing that sort of half that little sprint run. thing that they do inside. Yeah. The sprint walk. <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple guys have broken out into full jogs, but most of them are like your hurried businessmen that, uh, you know, are just going to grunt at you angrily if you get in their way. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it seems it, they were doing a good job with the extras, but there's a couple of bits where it just seems a little forced. It's like, okay, you people stand right here. Don't move. <laughs> All right. And I need you to pretend like you're in a hurry. And when I yell action, I want you to count to five, and then take off sprinting. It, it, it's almost there, but then it almost has a little bit too much realism. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost jarring in a few places. It's like some of the clearest things in the scenes are what the people in the background are doing. Yeah, that's true. It it is one of those things that as as people come into the focal depth, right? That it's like they're they're very not clear, and then they're very clear. It's an interesting it, it, the the field of of vision in in some of these longer shot scenes is is kind of jarring to to see people move in and out of focus like the 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 people that are nearest to you are sometimes very out of focus where the people further away are are more in focus and you know it's that's it's obviously how lenses work right yes but it, you would hope it was done intentionally yeah 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 and- I, I i'm fairly certain yeah but uh yeah it's it's an interesting bit like we we do actually see i mean we sort of see the the story of this the mother and son reuniting sort of come to fruition here too, because we see them get up off the bench and leave towards Eve as she's wake, working her way past the, the oh, news yeah. agent. I hadn't noticed that before, but there they go. Yeah. And he's carrying a bag of groceries or what looks like a bag of groceries. Yeah. Right? And it does look like groceries, but maybe it was just how she was lugging her stuff around. No, if he, he was sitting with the bag before she got there. I, I got the impression that they had both been there. I don't know what they were doing beforehand, but they had both been there and she had gone probably to use the restroom and now she's back. Maybe, maybe to buy tickets or something. Something. And yeah. but now, now she needs to rest after whatever it was she just did. Yeah, okay. And then they take off. It would make sense. We're talking about the, the trains would have been that way and that's the direction they're heading. So maybe yeah. they were. She was getting tickets and they were going to take a bag of groceries to some place in Michigan. Ypsilanti. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. Well, or maybe they just packed some sandwiches for the trip, you know? That's a lot of sandwiches. Oh, that guy must be the, the, the jock from Breakfast Club. <laughs> yeah. He just makes a loaf of sandwiches. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, this could be mother and son in the train station minute. Yeah. Let's not do that. No? Okay. Great. No. 
Well, since it's Friday here on the Hitchcock Minute, we like to tell you about all of the other Movies by Minutes podcasts. And, you know, I wish we could tell you about all of them, but there are just so many of them. So many. Do you have a movie that you consider your favorite movie? Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, You know what? There's a Movies by Minute podcast about that. It's actually Movies by Five Minutes, but we let them into the club anyway. (laughs) Those guys actually did a, a great podcast that was lots of fun. And those guys... Both had really great voices, so um, it was just a pleasure to listen to. So, and it's about a great movie. So, um, yeah, there is a movies by minute podcast called. Well, it was five minutes of trouble. Five minutes of trouble. Thank you. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. So th- those guys also did the Buckaroo Banzai five minutes at a time. So that one was uh, also fun if you're into that kind of thing. But yeah, what else we got out there? We got Groundhog Day minute. We've got Gremlins minute. We've got Die Hard minute. We've got um, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Wars, Aliens, Jones, Aliens, um, Alien and Aliens done by the same guys. 2001. 2001. Yep. We got The Room, if that's your jam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of movies that have this Movies by Minutes podcast format where we take one minute of a movie and talk about it for one episode of a podcast. And yeah, it's fun. I like it. I like listening to it. I like doing it. It's it's like it's like a, it's like the kids who probably would have gone to film school if there were some reason that you didn't need to do anything with the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. If I were yeah. born rich, you know, we could have just <laughs> yeah. gone to film school and talked like this all the time without af- yeah. actually making a film. Yeah. Well, film studies school, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. American theatrical studies. That's right. I'd, um, it's a lot easier to talk about a movie than it is to make a movie, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Although this isn't really all that hard. I mean, easy. I mean, hard. No, wait. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, go to the moviesbyminutes.com website. You can check out, I don't, I'd like to say that there are over, over a thousand movies there. But that's blatantly not yeah. true. Last um, time I heard it was around one thirty, but you know, that was months ago and it, new ones pop up all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if we've capped or crossed over 135 by now. Oh yeah. yeah anyway. Uh, but yeah, go there and uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, let's just wrap it up then and let everybody know that you can find the Hitchcock minutes podcast on Apple podcasts and Google play probably some other places too. Uh, or, Maybe at the main site, the HitchcockMinute.com. You can connect with us and all of the other Hitchcock Minute hosts on social media at The Man on Washington's Nose on Facebook and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute, which, you know, if you go to Twitter, you won't connect with all the hosts. You'll just probably just get Jim. But yeah, you can join us for Minute 66 of North by Northwest. I was going to say tomorrow, but since I've recently been informed, it's Friday on Monday. Uh, here on Hitchcock Minute. Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are.